The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotorold Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe because you make it. So, all right, I need to be clear with you. I thought, because I lived three years in the past, that free agent news would not be reported until Wednesday. I swear that's what happened a couple years ago. But instead, as soon as the negotiation period opened on Monday, an hour later, we got massive news leaks and dumps. So I moved Wednesday night's podcast to Monday, but because of that, I couldn't have Ray and Pat on with me and could only grab Rich. I thank Rich for that. And I'll get to that conversation in just a second. But before I get there, I just want to say thank you for subscribing to this podcast. Thank you for listening to it. If at any point you enjoy yourself, come join us, subscribe, leave a rating or review. It really, really does help us out. And later in the week, I'll be talking with Danny Kelly of The Ringer and hopefully Easton Stick on Thursday as well. All right, start my conversation here with Mr. Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves on Twitter about Nick Foles signing his four-year $88 million contract with $50 million in guaranteed money. Foles is obviously a better player than Blake Bortles. Um, you know, what's interesting is I don't know if Nick Foles is actually going to be a better fantasy player than Blake Bortles was, though. Got it. You know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, Blake Bortles gave us so much rushing equity, you know, for for all of his shortcomings throwing the football. Blake Bortles averaged 45.1 fantasy rushing points per game over his career. He averaged 56 rushing attempts per season. Foles had like that one year with Chip Kelly when they ran, you know, RPOs. Uh, but other since then, he, he had 221 yards that year. But since then, in 28 starts, he's had 104 rushing yards. Uh, so I'm curious. That means there's going to be more pass attempts, though, in the offense because, you know, a guy like Blake Bortles doesn't see a check down takes off, you know, kind of. So we might see more passing volume. Uh, the thing is, how can he elevate a, you know, a, a passing unit that's just third-year D.D. Westbrook, second-year D.J. Shark, Marquise Lee off of a major injury, Keelan Cole, who just Patrick Swayze ghosted on us last year after, like, a month. Like, dude just disappeared. <laughs> like, I mean, no clue. I mean, Nick Foles had Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeff played with Doug, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, an offense that has been shown that that they know. So, I mean, I don't think this is going to be a Rams fall off for Nick Foles, like when he went from the Eagles to the Rams the first time. But, I mean, he's going to a situation that's where he's basically they're going to just ask him not to lose games, right? Is that not what we're thinking? Totally. They're still going to ask him just to not lose games, like Blake Bortles lost games. So, I mean, 
even with all those weapons that Nick Foles had in Philadelphia and the offensive climate he had, I mean, he in his eight regular season starts, only two was he in the top half of quarterback scoring for fantasy. So it's, again, hard to elevate him over like that QB2 streaming guy. They don't have a tight end on their roster that we can trust right now. They don't have a pass catching running back on that roster we can trust right now. It's really is really hard to just say, you know, the Jaguars offense is going to be something that elevates Foles to fantasy viable. But from a real perspective, he's not going to burn down the house like Blake Bortles did. From a big picture standpoint, like I don't understand as the mindset of the Jaguars over the last couple of years yeah, where, sure. I mean, ov- obviously their game plan going into the 2018 season was, hey, we're going to run the football control it offensively and then just have our basically historic caliber level defense just repeat itself. That's not a winning formula, but how much of that can change in just one off season heading into next year. So I think much of the formula uh, is, is going to remain the same, but I'm with you. Like the whole goal here is to be better than they previously had. But at the same point, Reeves, like if for so many years, your quarterback was the weakness and whenever you were asked to pass the football it halted all momentum on offense Uh, I'm not sure if they can stop investing at the quarterback position here and and they shouldn't and I think a lot of people you know that's why you're paying him 22 million dollars according to reports is to be the guy but you can't stop here like you can't have that mindset of okay this is the the box that was checked and then we move on to other positions like if it was that much of a travesty for years, you have to continue to look and invest and evaluate at the spot. Your your margin for air playing the type of football that the Jaguars want to play and have told us they want to play is just so minuscule. And your window playing that type of football historically has been so small. If you look at recent NFL, like, you know, the last 20, 25 years, teams that are defensive only, their window is even, sm- it's, it's so much smaller than any, like, than even the teams that get a window. You know, you think about like those elite, you know, those elite Raven teams, the Bucks team, those teams that had just the, uh, those uber defenses, their windows shrunk so small they because yeah. they could never get the quarterback position right. And I mean, whether you want to, you know, for, for Flacco truthers come, come out of the woodwork here, uh, but you know, they were just never able to get that, that quarterback. And that's all that matters in the NFL to have an extended window is you have to have good quarterback play. You can have the best defense ever. I mean, it's going to be curious to see what happens to the Bears because I think that their game plan isn't to play like the Jaguars play. like Because the, the Bears are not going to be able to roll over the amount of sacks, turnovers, and points off turnovers they had last year. We know that. But right. they actually have a guy in Matt Nagy that wants to score more points than the other team always. That's playing to yeah. score points with a mindset. You know, Whether or not Trubisky continues to improve, we'll see. But at least having Matt Nagy over what the Jaguars did coming off of their AFC Championship run in the last year where they basically said, we're still just going to try to win games with this razor-thin margin. You know, At least with the Bears, they can say, we've got a guy that wants to score points, wants to put points up. So we might not see as much of a fall-off there. But, I mean, you just have your, – your margin fear is so small playing that way. And and there's a difference between having Mitchell Trubisky on a rookie deal and then giving Blake Portals an extension prior to the season as well. Just just right. a massive difference. We we do have to bring up how many injuries along the offensive line the Jaguars had last year. Like in some spots, they were playing with their third stringer. But that all ties into what we're saying. You're, you're totally not and, and Nick Foles is coming any... from a situation where he was behind a fantastic offensive line for much of his his period there. What was your favorite moment of Antonio Brown being a Buffalo Bill? <laughs> my, my favorite part was when he was clearly a better Buffalo Bill than Kelvin Benjamin ever was. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think you were online for that moment, were you? Because it was it was a crazy few hours because it was like a right around 11 p.m. And I was gearing up to go to bed. Okay. And then this happens and you get like that rush of energy a little bit. You're like, I have to, cause it just didn't feel right. It immediately didn't feel right. And so I need to stay up like another two hours just to see what was going to happen. And then 2 AM it comes out that he certainly isn't going to Buffalo. And by the way, I just cannot imagine the level of sweat that rap sheet was feeling at that time. My initial thing too, when it happened was that if he was going to force his way out of a situation like Pittsburgh, there was absolutely no way he was, there's no way like the way it played out exactly how I felt like it was that they probably had something in agreement. It leaked out or got to, you know, Rosenhaus and him. And he was like, nah, this ain't going to happen. Credit the bills though, you know, for trying to make something like that happen for a guy like Josh Allen that, for sure. you know, struggled more on the passing end was more effective as a rusher last year. They wanted, to get him more pieces tips a hand to where they're going to go in the draft this year you know early on this deal got rescinded they're ready to sink a lot of equity into antonio brown so maybe they make a play for one of these bigger receivers that we're excited about the clear pivot from antonio brown is just a tyler croft uh reeves let's let's do hit his fit now with the oakland raiders i mean this is a team that had amari cooper and for years we got ex- well at least for me i'll speak for myself reeves would get excited pre-season for Amari Cooper. I mean, it was a little bit more consistent when Amari Cooper left to go to Dallas, but what does that tell us about Antonio Brown's possible fit? We know he's a far superior player and he's getting paid a lot of money. They only trade a third and a fifth round pick for him. But how do you think that Antonio Brown is going to fit other than being basically the primary read? Yeah, it's kind of tricky. There's a lot of ground. Probably we could have done a whole podcast just on Antonio Brown and breaking down like this move. On the surface, you know, we, we're coming off of a season where Antonio Brown really kind of masked some of his production, you know, by the 15 touchdowns he scored last year. I mean, he had his lowest catch rate, you know, since 2011. He had his lowest uh, receptions per game since that season. So kind of was seeing a little bit of decline. He is, he was 30. He's going to be 31 coming into next season. We know that, you know, father time is undefeated and typically all the research I've done, and I have a dynasty article out there in the, in the ether that you can find, but typically 32 is elite wide receiver, like the drop off like that's like as long as you really want to hang on in fantasy and then other than that you just buy in when they're cheap like the Larry Fitzgeralds when he was kidding value because we were just you know okay to be late you know he was coming at wide receiver three prices Antonio Brown's still probably only going to fall to what like the wide receiver 10 range next year in Oakland I mean we're still gonna be able to project him for like 28% to 30% of the targets given that roster big time volume Derek Carr is effective intermediately uh if he gets no pressure you know him and Jared Goff are kind of in that is, does this play go off the rails? Then uh, this play has no chance, you know. Um, and we've seen Carr, you know, basically two years ago get MVP votes in the year. He didn't deserve them uh, a couple years ago. So he is a guy that can at least provide and support some function functionality for wide receiver play, even though Amari Cooper was so inconsistent. I think that that might still say more about Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper was still kind of inconsistent in Dallas too. His, his spikes, totally. you know, his spikes were so high. And speaking of inconsistent here, Reeves, like I don't think Ben Roethlisberger played that well last year. Like it, 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 he was super inaccurate in many instances and Antonio Brown's production could have been even higher, but then there's the other side of this coin, right? And it's what's going to happen with Juju in Pittsburgh. They play two totally different mm-hmm. roles versus 
how they face off against man, how they face off against on the outside versus the inside, right? In zone situations. And it's not like we're going to see a major, major tick up in volume here for Juju Smith-Schuster. And certainly he'll be drafted ahead of Antonio Brown now, but... I'll, I'll probably be in a position where I'm not going to bet against Antonio Brown because my projections are still, the projection wise, his volume is going to be there. Um, but he's probably going to go a little bit higher in drafts than I ever want him because as a believer in career arcs, like I'm not going to be able to take him over a guy like even like a Mike Evans type who he's going to get more volume and probably have more efficiency mm-hmm. than Mike Evans. But we're going to have a guy that's, you know, 26, 27 years old and, and, and get, getting just as much volume and has just as much t- touchdown upside. And Juju's on the other end of that spectrum. We've got a guy who has the most receptions for a wide receiver before t- turning 23 years old in NFL history, you know, the most receiving yards. Uh, it's more than Randy Moss, you know, more than before turning 23 years old. This guy just turned 22 years old three days before last Thanksgiving. Josh, what were you doing when you were 22? I wasn't I wasn't catching 170 NFL passes. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you I was I was getting paid $40 an article to write as a freelancer for Roto World. That's what I was That's doing. a good gig. You know, I was uh, I started writing articles for fantasy for $15 a pop. But Juju at 22 has got us beat. Uh, so, I mean, I just think Juju as a career arc wise <laughs> Even though I think he's going to, you know, obviously there's a having both those guys on the field is beneficiary to both guys. Uh, and, you know, Juju's going to have more coverage all this way and so on. But uh, I'm still in believing that in a guy that has the most catch NFL history before turning 23, is going to be a productive player. I was living across the street from Reed's <laughs> Fine Foods in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, on the fourth floor of a condo. And boy, every single day of my life, do I not think of living across from Reed's because I made friends with the butcher. There was a, a blind spot for people exiting that shopping center. So at least once a week, there would be a car crash outside and I would run to the little patio that I had to go and look at the people involved. We always have to watch car. <laughs> Let's go to Jameson Crowder next. Okay. Sign with the Jets, three years, $28.5 million, 17 mil guaranteed. And we should note, like all that matters in these contracts is the guaranteed money, because as you've seen Mm -hmm. in recent weeks where free agents from, let's say, 2015, 2016 are getting cut this offseason and signing with new teams. Right. And that's they maybe have signed five or six year contracts and they really boil down to three or two year contracts. So this fit, we we know that Jamison Crowder is purely a slot player. There were instances where we got excited about him heading into a season, but I think in the back of our brains or in the front, really, we should say, we always know he's going to be a slot, but he kind of fits in in the fold of the Jets offense because you have Quincy Nunua and Robbie Anderson alongside him with a young quarterback on a small deal in Sam Darnold. So what's his fit like in the Jets for you, Reeves? Yeah, I think this and the the other two slot signings today are probably better real life moves. I think this is more of a move that aids the growth of Sam Darnold, who was 30th in yards per attempt over the middle of the field as a rookie. So this helps him a lot. I mean, Jermaine Curse led the Jets with 27 slot receptions last year. Uh, so just getting a guy like Jamison Crowder, you know, involved is is going to be better for the offense as a whole and help raise the tide for Sam Darnold. Uh, Crowder, you know, kind of had that like mini breakout sophomore season, just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, you know, we got real excited from in 2017 when they let Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon go. I just rarely fall in love with slot receivers for fantasy. I mean, it, usually these guys, when they have their spike years, it's usually off something fluky like touchdown production. I like the slot guys that are guaranteed to get like 120, 30 targets. I like those guys. Those guys are fine with me. But these guys that, you know, it's hard to project volume for and they got to kind of live off of touchdowns. And I'm sure we'll talk about Adam Humphreys in a second. 
Uh, that's just kind of where I see Crowder. I don't see a lot of fantasy viability here on his own. I mean, there's still upside here. He's only going to be 26. I just feel a lot better about Robbie Anderson in that offense and what he's done his first two years in the NFL and how he scores his fantasy points, continuing to be the Jets guy you know, to, to like there out of that group. And then how many guys are we expecting Sam Donald, even as a sophomore, to support? It, with a jump. I mean, we expect Arnold to be better, and he was really good the last month of the season when he supported Robbie Anderson. But can he make a guy like Crowder behind Robbie Anderson, even like Chris Herndon, viable? You know, for fantasy, I think it's more likely a real, a good real life signing that aids the development of Sam Darnold than it does make Crowder, you know, a real guy to like circle around, uh, you know, in fantasy drafts. And Adam Gase has a history with slot receivers. I mean, he had Jarvis Landry obviously down there in Miami, but then when they traded away Jarvis Landry, then Mm -hmm. he went and signed Danny Mandola. I guess it's an important piece of their offense. I mean, that's what they are telling us with this contract. Uh, let's go to another slot receiver, Reeves. Adam Humphreys lands with the Titans. Uh, four years, $36 million. I did not see the guarantees by the time we're recording this podcast. The Titans last year didn't have like a true slot receiver. Tajay Sharp, I believe, played 163 snaps there, which is 49% of his time. Uh, Corey Davis played around 30% of his time in the slot last year. Adam Humphreys, for what he is, is a very good slot receiver. In fact, it comes out that they were bidding the Titans against the New England Patriots. How do you see this playing out with Adam Humphreys in 2019 Reaps? I mean, Humphreys just isn't like he had the breakout last year, but his receptions and receiving yards have actually gone up every year of his NFL career. I think it's just probably going to hit a wall here based on the production he had last year. You know, he caught 76 of 105 targets last year, 816 yards, five touchdowns. The biggest difference here is that Humphreys' overall volume last year and his overall raw counting stats that we care about. You know, the Bucs uh, were fourth in the NFL in pass attempts per game. Over Marcus Mariota's first four NFL seasons, Tennessee's ranked 31st, 28th, 28th, and 21st uh, in passing volume per game. Um, and then if you want to go to rotoworld.com, check out the available uh, team targets and air yards available per team that John Daigle has posted for us. The Titans have just 28 vacated targets from last, last season, which is 6.6%. That's the third lowest in the league. They're getting Delaney Walker back. Um, it's just hard to see with the, all those things paired up that Humphreys is going to be a guy that you know pushes that that fifth year trend of completely trumping his season before numbers. We also just really don't know right now what Marcus Mariota is. Yep, you know it, it stinks to say we just don't know. And I like Marcus Mariota; he's one of the highest graded quarterbacks I have in my objective QB model. Um, but he's had one good really NFL season that we care about, um, and that came on like the strength of like a probably a fluky touchdown rate. Now last year it's hard to really what do we hold against him last year? Cause he pretty much played the whole season hurt and he had like nerve damage. He said he couldn't feel the football at a certain point in the season. And the offense was broken for like the first half of the season and then like turned into a run heavy. Oh my gosh. Offensive line was injured and was a disaster last year. It's amazing. They had the little surge that they had, you know, considering, you know, how many, how they started off offensively so much, but we just don't really know. So we just Marcus Mariota. Like we talked about Darnold. Is he a guy that we think is going to elevate all these receivers? We've still, we're still waiting on Corey Davis. We also have kind of a little bit of a flame for Taewon Taylor. They said they're getting, you know, Delaney Walker back. So how many targets, how much volume do we have around in this Tennessee passing game that we really haven't seen be good, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, you know, outside of, like I said, that one big spike touchdown rate season. So another signing where I think it's it's good uh, on paper, it helps their team, because like you said, they didn't have a slot guy or a true slot guy. So it gives them a true slot guy. But what do we uh, what do we have for Humphreys himself being able to improve on, you know, 
the fantasy viability he had last year. What I think it does, and we can tie it into if you want to talk about the Deshaun Jackson trade a little bit. I mean, that was next. What what comes to my mind with these moves is just is not just what Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson, the players that signed, but you know what is now left standing in Tampa Bay. We all love Chris Godwin. We like well, many of us have. Oh, I love him. I loved him back at Penn State. I mean, it's just amazing he was a third round pick after, you know, having an area of dominance, contested catches, and a great athletic profile. Man. And another guy was just 22 years old last yep. year, will only be 23 years old this year, coming off, you know, a seven touchdown season. Uh, and that was competing with targets, you know, with Adam Humphreys and basically sharing snaps with Deshaun Jackson. They averaged the same amount of routes per game, they kind of used them off and on. They, both of those guys accounted for just a hair under 30% of the Tampa targets, receptions, and receiving yards. But Godwin can't take over 30% of the passing game on top of what he already had in 2018. Don't you tell me what he can't do. Don't you tell me what no, he can't well, do. No, well, he can. I mean, I want to, too. I want to believe it. Because, listen, <laughs> Godwin already has. But I think it's, you know, Godwin's definitely going to be a guy we're excited for. And we don't really need to harp on it because we've been harping about him for three years. And now we're excited that the, the gates are finally open. But, I mean... It also means to stick a pin in a guy like Justin Watson. You know, if you're in a, happen to be in a dynasty with shorter rosters and he's not owned, you know, go pick him up, you know, this week if you can. This is a guy that was 6'3, 215 pounds, was just an athletic and production monster at Penn. Uh, they took him in the fifth round last year. And, you know, he's a guy to keep, you know, a target on too. Yeah, I'll tell you a story about Justin Watson. So Jason Light meets with the owners prior to the NFL draft in their meeting. I mean, he was a guy that he told them that they were targeting. And he's like, look, we're not going to basically exit this draft without mm-hmm. drafting this receiver out of UPenn. If the front office, and we don't necessarily know if the coaching staff will believe in them now because it's a different group. But, you know, we like to take those shots and in offenses that um, have shown previous success and, you know, that are losing targets. So I'm totally with you on Justin Watson. That's a good call. Is there like a, is there a sub, uh, Oh, yeah, Marquise Brown like is a complete Bruce Arians guy. We need like a sub 175-pound receiver for Bruce Arians Ooh. to lock on to this draft yep. period. Uh, Reeves, before we get to Deshaun Jackson, I want to take a quick break to thank the people that subscribe to this podcast and especially those who rate and review. I'm talking about you, BZD to Mitch, uh, 808 Caps, George Kursar, and Click. 213. Really appreciate you for leaving us rating and reviews. If you care to do that, it takes 5, 10, 15 seconds. It really helps us rise in the ratings. All right, Reeves, let's hit on Deshaun Jackson. This is a team, and they barely had to trade anything to Eagles to acquire him. And they drastically needed a player like this on the roster, and they just couldn't find it. Uh, in fact, they tried to trade for Robbie Anderson. It was reported during the 2018 season, and they sorely missed a deep threat in the lineup. So Deshaun Jackson is basically the uh, ideal player for that type of role in the NFL right now. Yeah, and he leaves a less crowded spot or goes to a less crowded spot, you know, where they and, and guys that have clear defined positions, you know, I mean, he's going to play alongside a true X and Alshon Jeffrey and a true slot guy and Nelson Aguilar. Well, when the Eagles remember he's a true slot guy, uh, you know, <laughs> after they trade for a slot guy in the middle of the season last year, he's going to go line up at flanker. And we talked about him splitting time with Godwin. He ran 28.4 routes per game last year that basically shared opportunities with Godwin and Adam Humphreys. He's not going to have uh, as much, you know, snap, you know, trade off, you know, with the Eagles. You know, like I said, he's got a true position. He's going to play flanker all the time. 
know, I share not, not share that role with anybody. Uh, but he, again, we know what DJX is. He's gonna be 33 years old in December. He's a best ball guy. We want to have him in best ball leagues where we don't have to get him. Right. Oh yeah. You know, we don't want to have to. We don't want to have to get Deshaun Jackson right on our weekly lineups. Uh, so that's where he's still gonna be. Nothing really changes for him in that aspect in, in our landscape. What it does is, you know, it aids us buying a bounce back for Carson Wentz. Again. I mean, right now Carson Wentz is the QB 15 really? uh, in 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 drafts on draft leagues right now and play draft if you want to get on there. And and you talked about them and having a need from Carson Wentz's breakout in 2017 to last year, and he was a little bit injured last year. But the Eagles had four passing touchdowns last year on throws 15 yards or further downfield last year. That's it. They had 12 the year before in 2017. You know, with just guys like Torrey Smith. So, I mean, just just getting a guy like Deshaun Jackson, who basically is the best vertical threat of our generation. I saw that uh, Russell Russell Clay, a good guy on Twitter, if you want to follow him, posted that Deshaun Jackson is only the third player in NFL history of 10,000 receiving yards and average over 17 yards per reception in NFL history. I mean, he's basically been up our premier deep threat until like maybe like a guy like Ty- Tyree Kill, you know, carries that drone if he can keep this going, but the distance touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, another move that makes a lot of sense for boosting the quarterback and making the Eagles bounce back. I mean, I love everything the Eagles do the past two years. I mean, last year they had like a down year, but I mean, considering how many injuries they had last year, I mean, Doug Peterson did such a tremendous job. And for them to get, get in the playoffs and win a playoff game again last year, like pretty understated that the job the Eagles did last year. They continue to win in the compensatory selections, right? Because mm-hmm. the Sean Jackson trade doesn't factor into that. Neither does the Malik Jackson signing because he was cut by his former team. Uh, just a, you know, smart team. Reeves, I guess the next place to go is Devin Funches to the Indianapolis Colts, 13 mil just for one season. And I think it's 13 million at its highest. It's, I think, a base $10 million salary. And look, on surface, that might sound like a lot for a player like Devin Funches, who's never had a 1,000-yard season. I believe he's just under 900 yards in 2017. But the Colts have money to spend, like over $100 million this offseason. This is like nothing for them. They struggled so much to find someone outside of T.Y. Hilton last year, other than Eric Ebron, I should say, to... Uh, Ryan Grant to Chester Rogers. So Devin Funches for a one-year shot makes a ton of sense to me. And Reeves, rarely do you have a player entering their second contract who is just about to turn 25 years old. I may be too pro Devin Funches here, Reeves, but I I really like the situation where he's not going to be asked to be the primary receiver at all. It really gives me similar vibes to the deal that Dante Moncrief signed last year when he left the Colts, you know, with the Jaguars, you know, that one year kind of, we still had some, you know, upside feelings about Dante Moncrief and what he could be as a guy that caught 13 touchdowns on just 94 catches over the 2015 and 2016 seasons with Andrew Luck. So, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking for Devin Funches to be kind of like that, uh, a guy that is going to have a presence in the red zone, uh, especially in that receiving core, which right now only has Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, Deion Kane coming off of an ACL. Uh, they don't have, you know, Ryan Grant on the roster right now. They don't have Dontrell Inman, who had late, late season surge for them. So, I mean, right now he doesn't have a lot to compete with. Now, them only giving a one-year deal kind of signifies that they're probably not done. Probably going to add someone either in the draft or throughout this process. But if he can somehow get through this unscathed and have a chance to compete for targets in a starting spot, I mean, that's what you're kind of looking for a guy that can be a high touchdown scorer. I mean, Andrew Luck only Patrick Mahomes threw more touchdowns than Andrew Luck last year, and he only had, and think about what Andrew Luck had. It was all to Ebron. T.Y. Hilton missed half the year, basically, yeah. and played hurt for the, and played hurt when he did play. You can get Funchess uh, at age 25 
uh, to be a guy that can push, you know, eight to 10 touchdowns. Are we going to have the kind of reception volume that we, we want? Probably not, because the only time that Funchess was that guy was when the Panthers just basically had no other choice. You know, when they got rid of Kelvin Benjamin and Olsen was down, there was nowhere else. They, they had to throw targets to Devin Funchess. People look at him as, you know, a bigger receiver and say, hey, that's where he wins as a big player. But it's more so that, like, he he moves well for his size. And I just get over the drops, you know, just get over the drops. It's just, you know, in and out of his game. It's not necessarily an overall factor in it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Uh, Reeves, we went much longer than I anticipated. I apologize. Uh, you can check out no, you can check out Reeves's blog, as he mentioned. Uh, that's kind of always updating on Roto World. Uh, obviously, check out all the blurbs we have. Every single signing, detailed contracts, guarantees, thoughts, opinions, hard stances that we take on players, all in there. Um, we'll be back later this week. I'll be back with Danny Kelly actually tomorrow night. So be sure. And Let's tune get. in for that one. Danny Keller is a good dude over at the ringer. Um, so for all of you out there, Reeves, thanks so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.